Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And a very good evening. Welcome, folks, to another edition of Higher Ground. Chris Warren with you for the next few hours as we sink our teeth into all the big issues of the day. It's your late-night sports bar here on SEN. So come on, pull up your stool, join us up here for a chat, and the open line is now open. Open invitation for you to join the show uh, and chat about anything, really, in the world of sport. Uh, We'll throw a few topics your way as well. well. I'll do it right now. I'll do it right now. Um, strange Olympic sports or strange sports full stop. The Winter Olympic Olympics get underway tonight, later on tonight. And uh, curling, a couple of Aussies involved in that. Now, I don't know if you know much about the sport of curling. Um, it's a little bit odd, a little bit wacky. I guess it's a bit like chess on ice. Um but there you go. We might run through a few of the, uh, the the weird and wonderful Olympic sports over over the past decades or centuries or more. So one three hundred oh one eleven seventy weird sports. What are they? And uh, the text line it is open as well. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just like this So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this So let's get down, let's get down to business Yeah, come on up. Come on up, let's get right down to business here on Higher Ground. Again, welcome to the show, Cowboy Dan in the house with me, Chris Warren, um, right up until 11 o'clock this evening. And then, as I say, just after that, um, the first events featuring Aussies at the Winter Olympics will be underway. But firstly, um, let's talk, shall we, about pressure. The Socceroos and Coach Graham Arnold feeling the pinch, aren't they, after that draw this morning, 2 all with Oman. It was a match that we were expected to win. Now, um, either way, you look at this, Australia will be doing it the hard way if we are to qualify for this year's FIFA World Cup. It might well be the first time in a long time that we fail to make the World Cup. And, gee, I hope that is not the case uh, because I think... um, you know, and, and I guess I'm sort of talking for, for you guys too, who, who might be a bit similar to me. If you're not, you know, soccer tragics, that is. And I know that there are probably some, some football tragics rusted on that listening to the show. But if you're like me and, you know, you're a bit of a casual football fan, um, I must say I do love the World Cup when we are playing particularly, I mean. Um, I probably wouldn't watch the World Cup, to be honest with you, if the Socceroos or the Matildas were not playing. I think it's a wonderful event um, right up there, if not bigger than the Olympics. But when the Socceroos are involved, we all love to watch, don't we? I I think I'm speaking for most of us, whether we are rusted on soccer fans or not. So, look, I hope we do get there, but a couple of group games to go, and it's looking looking pretty darn hard. 
I know our goal difference is okay, but uh, if we don't directly qualify, well, then uh, the route gets even trickier, having to uh, go through another couple of, of hoops uh, for us to get there. I'm going to talk to Alex Brosk a little bit later on, former Socceroo, um, host of the Global Game as well here on uh, SEN 1170, and just see how much pressure Graham Arnold should be under. I heard um, I heard uh, Bozza, Mark Bosnich, talking this afternoon on this station, and he had a few interesting things to say. Did not hold back Bozza. Uh, we might play a bit of that audio a bit later on for you as well. He thinks the whole the whole damn system needs a bit of an overhaul. Right from grassroots to the top of the tree. If you're involved in in soccer, football, junior level, senior level, um, and you're listening to the show, enlighten me. Pick up the phone, have a chat. Tell me what the real problems are. I hear a lot of people talking about you know, ludicrous registration fees for juniors to play soccer. But, I mean, the game as a whole in this country, and it's really got some problems, hasn't it? Well, it had some, some big problems away from the pitch as well. In, in recent years. Um, but if you are involved at whatever level, you might be a player yourself, male or female, um, get involved, pick up the phone, have your say, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Is the game in uh, dire need of an overhaul, like Mark Bosnich was saying this morning? The mystery continues around the future of Aussie cricket coach Justin Langer. How long will this go on? Don't know, but I think it might well be coming to a conclusion and whispers are growing louder that he may not have his contract renewed. We will talk about the latest saga with JL and Jaleesa Apps from Channel 10 and does a lot of work for us here as well. Uh, She'll be joining us uh, on the show very, very shortly. So look forward to talking to uh, Jaleesa. Now, as I say, um, the Winter Olympics, they get underway tonight. Um, although the opening ceremony is still a couple of days away. I never could quite work that one out. What about you? Putting the cart before the horse, you have the opening ceremony of the event. It's the opening ceremony for a reason, um, but the event's already started, and it starts tonight. Uh, They get underway. Uh, Barely half a year since the Tokyo Summer Games wrapped up, and it's time for the Winter Games in Beijing. And Australia chasing uh, the nation's best ever medal haul. We have a pair of Aussies, as I said earlier, in action uh, just after we go off air uh, tonight, a shade after 11 Sydney time, uh, in the mixed curling against the USA. That doubles pair of uh, Tali Gill and Dean Hewitt will face off uh, against the USA. A tough mission for our guys. Uh, mixed doubles, though, uh, tonight. It's a strange sport, isn't it? As I said earlier, curling. Um, and, yeah, it is a bit like chess on ice. Also, I guess you throw a bit of lawn bowls into it as well. Um, and probably, I mean, something we can all relate to, curling. Um, those of us that clean our floors at home, whether you get the mop out or the broom, you know, the action where they, they, they push it in front of the, uh, the, uh, the, the big granite disc and they, they clean the ice and try to melt a bit of ice to um, move the position of, of the disc. As I say, it's a strange old sport, but something we can all relate to. I, I was scrubbing the floors yesterday, actually. had to go out and buy myself some, um, some new detergent, too. A few stains I can't seem to get out. Anyway, uh, we can talk about that as well. Um, what else, what else, what else? Also tonight, we've got uh, an Aussie in action. Alexander, I think it's Falazzo is how you pronounce it. He's part of uh, Group B in the men's luge. Um, they have a couple of training runs, don't they, in the luge before the official event gets underway. Good idea too. 
I think, uh, having some training runs in the luge. Um, yes, no, not for me. That And what's the other one? The skeleton. So that would be even worse, I reckon. I don't know. The skeleton's the one where you face down head first, isn't it? Uh, and the luge on your back face up. I don't know which one I'd prefer or least prefer. Um, yes, maybe leave me out of both of those ones. A few facts about the Winter Olympics. It's the 24th edition. Um, and so Beijing is becoming the first ever city to host both the Summer Games, which they held in 2008, and the Winter Games, which all kick off tonight. We'll talk more about the games. We'll talk more about some rugby league as well. Some new rules have been uh, officially brought in, not too many, uh, the chief of which is the, as we, we said on Monday night, didn't we? Um, there'll be no set restarts coming out of your own 40. A penalty will be awarded to the, the non-offending team, the attacking team. Uh, for set restarts and inside the 10 too uh, when coming outside their in, outside their own 40 metres. A couple of other things too. Uh, one of which um, is about how games are being stopped and I'll get into this a bit more. But I think what may well have uh, prompted this, those that watched uh, Wild West, the West Tigers documentary, you remember those scenes in the coaching box, box with Michael Maguire? Stop the, you know, stop the game. Stop the effing game. And that's what happens. Coaches know when their their momentum is swinging and they can and have found ways to stop the game by way of messaging down to the trainer. He gets out onto the field and uh, the game can be stopped. It was a, a highly controversial, I think, um, part of last year's season. Well, the NRL have made a move to uh, to stop that and we'll go through some of that a little bit later on. Uh, just back on the Winter Olympics too, the fake snow. Fake snow, pretty much 100% fake snow in Beijing. Um, and I'll go through some stats I've pulled out as well. You will not believe, if you haven't read the article, you will not believe how much fake snow is needed, nor how much it costs. Okay, uh, I'll go through some of that. Righto, let's get down to business. Let's get on with the show again. Welcome to Higher Ground. Chris Warren with you with Cowboy Dan. Hello, hello. I tell you what, that's very... How are you, Daniel? You, you're good? Very well, Chris. Glad to be here on a Wednesday night. And you're... Uh, yeah, well, when, when we when did we last see each other? Monday. Monday, Monday. Monday. Well, here ago. we are. So we're here for another few hours. Uh, we'll bounce off each other. Mm. We'll bounce off uh, you guys at home as well. Um, and feel free to get involved with the show. I was talking about curling there. Have you seen much curling? I haven't, no. But I might watch some in this Winter Olympics. I Googled it today and wanted to get involved, you know, learn the rules a little bit more and um, interesting. You'll interesting. be watching it. Well, of course I'll be watching. Uh, will I? No, I'll be driving home. Uh, well, you could tape it, record well, it. Well, I don't know how to do that remotely because uh, I'll be leaving here at 11 and yes. now uh, we, our guys, uh, the, the mixed team, start at uh, five past 11, I oh. believe. So I'm just trying to get this schedule out here. Uh, yeah, here we go. So Tali Gill and Dean Hewitt uh, curling mixed doubles v US from 8:05 p.m. That would be local time though. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's 11:05 here. We three hours. Uh, yeah, we are. No, that's I believe right. so. Yes. Yeah. Well, you yeah. should believe so. I believe you. Yeah, strange. I was, it's funny, but yeah, that was the analogy I was drawing there. Mm. Chess on ice. And, um, <laughs> they get the broom or whatever they use to sort of push and push and mop in front of the the big granite. Mm. Oh, what do you call it? Not it's not a disc. It's a no. well, a rock almost. You know, it looks interesting, and that melts the ice, so it sort yeah. of 
speeds it up or slows mm. it down or turns it. Mm. Oh, mate, very, very... Um, a lot of tactics involved. Intriguing. Another sport I've never played. And also, I've never played chess either. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> okay, no, well, let's add it to the list, right? For those that don't know much about Cowboy Dan, he uh, he's a bit of a unique individual. 0457 736 736. Tool man, I've got your text. I'll get to that in a moment. He's a very unique individual as Cowboy Dan. Thank you. And I know, I, I know this is a sports sort of inverted commas sports show, right? Mm. Because this, to be honest, come on, let, let's let's clear the slate here. Let's um, declare things. To be honest, it's not a hard-hitting sports program, not really. Not really, no, no. It's sport. It's sport with a twist. Uh, yeah, well, it's yeah. just loose sport. Exactly, loose sport. Um, but you're, you're, uh, you're an, a unique individual as well. I was just, just telling, Yeah, I was just telling my listeners. So I'll go through it. Cowboy Dan is uh, early 30s, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, um, here... You don't have to agree with this. I'm, t- I'm telling oh, okay. my listeners yeah. here, yeah. right? Yeah. There are a few things about Cowboy Dan, right? So he's producing the show and he's over there on the panel. Um, I can hit the buttons too, but he likes the panel and I, it's, I think it's good chemistry. Thank anyway, um, back to you, uh, Cowboy Dan. Mm. He does it. No, shush. He has never driven a car. Manual or automatic, he has never driven a car. That's one. Uh, never driven. He's just revealed he's never played chess. There's another one. Oh, yeah, a lot of people may not have played chess. No, no, you. most people have played chess or at least tried to at some point. Never driven, never played chess. He has never ridden a horse, never ridden a horse. I'm just adding to this list. He, number four, he has never held a fishing rod, so never fished, number four, um, never ridden a horse. He has never, uh, number five, he has never surfed before. Mm. Number five, have you swum? Yes, I have, but I'm not a great swimmer. Mm. I'm, yeah, I have, yes. You see, um, and getting back to this being a sports show, it's what I'm looking at this list, if this is a CV, Cowboy <laughs> Dad, it's very difficult for me to mount an argument for including you in any sort of Olympic-type stuff. Like surfing was a, an, an yeah. inaugural event this year, just gone, wasn't it? Uh, well, last year. Um, horse riding, you, you can't qualify for that. Chess is not at the Olympics, but it is deemed to be a sport. Um, driving, oh, that's not really well, not really at the Olympics. Um, so you're not really – are you an outdoorsy guy? Yeah. Well, can I tell you something, Chris? I won trophies in tennis when I was younger, and that is an Olympic sport. Summer Olympics. Okay, so yep. tennis. Yes. You play tennis. I, I, well, yeah. You've I never surfed. You've never fished. You've never ridden a horse. You've never played chess. You've never driven a car uh, manual or, mm. and the texts are coming in, by the they way, are, yes. manual or automatic. Can I ask you this? Please Have do. you played poker? No. Jeez. No. All right, this goes no. on too. Uh, no poker. Have you played any card games other than you know? No, you oh, know. I like yeah, it. Just you know. Just you know. Just How you did know. I yeah, spot I that? So. Yeah. How did I spot that? So no cards. No, no card games. Not yet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you've got any other questions you'd like me to put to Cowboy Dan, I, I, I think this is just remarkable, mm. and it just adds to the weight of my argument that you are indeed are a fascinating individual. Thank you. That's all right. Um, keep those texts coming in, please. Um, G'day, Wa. Welcome back with the Socceroos. I just don't think we have the talent we had 10 to 15 years ago. 
they won't make this year's World Cup. Uh, that's from Tim the Toolman. Good evening to you, mate, and uh, welcome back you. Welcome back you. You've obviously been listening to the program. I was away for a little bit, but uh, nice to have your company. Timmy loves a uh, bourbon, I think it was, or a rum. Can you just pull up one? Lovely. As always, we've got that's for tool, man. We've got the light up there or not, the studio audience. Where are they? Thank you. Hey, guys. Hello, hello, hello. Have you turned the lights down on purpose up there? Yeah, but it's a bit early to turn the lights down. Is that for the violin music? For the what you want to make a little bit of romance up there, yes, do you? Or, yes, or not? Oh, definitely. Well, do you guys, do they, oh, they might like a bit of romance. Is, is that why you've dimmed it? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's beautiful stuff. Ah, beautiful stuff. Um, we serious sport, not really, but uh, this one here. Another text has come through here from JS. So thanks, mate. Um, CW uh, Bozer is spot on. Same old story year after year. Uh, we're talking about the game of soccer, football in this country, needing a, a revamp and overhaul. And we'll play some more of that interview. Um, and I think I said this morning. It was this afternoon. Bozer was on on drive. Um, so it goes on here. Same old story year after year. Uh, the game here is always ruined by very important nobodies and their own personal agendas. Also, if you can't beat teams like Oman, uh, China, you're not good enough to make the pool stages of the World Cup. And yeah, I'm sad, but true. Thank you, JS, for, for getting in touch uh, with me there. Appreciate it. Keep those texts coming through. If you'd like to be involved with the show, the text line again, 0457 736 736. If you want to jump on the line, uh, there will be space. We'll make space on the open line for you uh, right throughout the next uh, two and three quarter hours or so. 1300 01 1170. This is Higher Ground. Yes, it is. Welcome to the show. Hope you're having a, a wonderful uh, night on uh, what we're, we're calling it Richie Benno Day 2 uh, for 22. Second of the second 2022. So Julissa Apps from Channel 10 is about to join us too. Uh, I believe she's just uh, devouring a counter meal somewhere. She must be at a pub somewhere in the country, I reckon. Before she jumps on the line, I just want to go through, uh, in a nutshell, the rule changes uh, the NRL has uh, published today. So penalties will be awarded instead of set restarts uh, for ruck or 10-metre infringements inside the 40-metre zone of the team in possession. Uh, we pretty much knew that was going to happen, so that is going to happen. Then there's a few things around game day policy amendments. So firstly, on team list announcements, um, to complement the addition of the 18th player rule introduced last season, team announcements on Tuesday will proportionately increase from 21 to 22 players. Free interchange. So a free interchange will only be granted in instances of foul play where the offending player is sin-binned or sent off. So a free interchange won't be uh, applied when players are placed on report. And this one on injury stoppages, and this takes me back to Michael Maguire and that Wild West documentary. We might try and dig some of that audio out, but if you watch that um, doco, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I'm sure Jaleesa has watched it as well. But with the exception of head injuries, only a referee, touch judge or the bunker will be permitted to stop play for an injury. So trainers will retain the ability to stop play where a head injury has occurred. Um, but it has to be for a head injury, all right? All right, uh, Jaleesa is on the line now. It's a very good evening to you, Jaleesa. I haven't spoken to you for some time. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I've actually stepped into the smokers area <laughs> because it's a quiet spot. <laughs> oh, dear. It's, I tell you what, it's not doing like the post-COVID no. test very good. <laughs> no. No. Now, listen, you, you said you were having – oh, you are a funny thing you are. You said you were having a, um, a counter meal. I think it's a COVID meal. Yeah. A counter meal. Right? I don't think they – do they still do those at country pubs? I used to love a counter lunch or a nice T-bone oh steak or something. Oh, my God. Who doesn't love a T-bone steak? And like, also, that's all the the reason I go to the pub. Actually, I was just sit back home in my town, hometown of Borua. I'm actually at the Ride um, Eastwood <laughs> Club. Oh, smoking is there. So I'm not even. I'm not even at. Um, I'm not even a country pub. I just really felt like a schnitzel. Um, but I, <laughs> when I went home, like that's the only thing that I ever like. I thought about this all through lockdown is I just wanted the diet sauce at the courthouse hotel and I honestly obsessed over it because we couldn't travel there. (laughs) And then I just felt so satisfied when I got like three of them. You are you, <laughs> you, you are a unique individual too, just like Cowboy Dan. And I like I love where you're coming from. Steak Diane. A counter meal steak Diane. Do they still mm. do that? Oh well. And so you got your schnitty, uh chicken schnitty, I take it. What'd you go with? The veggies or the salad? Um, I go with veggies and mm. some potato and yeah, we've got a little Diane sauce. Look, the Diane sauce isn't quite <laughs> Anywhere like it is in Borua, but I have to say they put on an all right feed here. Oh dear, oh dear, righto. Uh, I just had a nice meal. Now too. I'm just hanging out in the smokers area, looking like a real weirdo. <laughs> okay, now uh, don't worry about them. Don't worry about them. Uh, Graham Annesley, you spoke to him. I think it was exclusively for Channel Ten today or tonight. I've just rattled off those rule changes without you know, stealing your, mm. your thunder, but you can expand on that. Um, and I guess the big one is is coming out of the 40 now now a penalty. Yeah, and obviously we just saw what was happening last year is that teams started to really exploit it, on, particularly on that first tackle when they can just go, all right, we'll just give away another six again and get set and sort of give, it, give ourselves a bit of a breather just to get into a bit of a better position. So it kind of I, you could see what they were trying to do by having the six again, um, but it just didn't quite. But this is the thing. This is the thing mm. about rugby league. Coaches are all smart, and they will all they will exploit yep. everything. Yep. <laughs> they will not find a rule that they won't exploit. And and Graham honestly said that today. But he was like, with no disrespect, like they're just all really smart. Yeah. Um, and I sort of said to him, I said, well, I look, I really look forward to talking to you in six months' time and we're doing this all again because they've exploited all these rules somehow. Yeah. Um, well, and he sort of had a bit of a laugh. A bit of a chuckle, did Graham? I mean, that's what they do. That's what they're paid to do. You, you say exploit, and that is the right term as well, but uh, I guess they're also evolving, you know, with the game. And keep in mind, um, let's not forget, the game introduced about nine or ten new rules all in one big hit last year. And, you know, again, I don't want to go rehash old, go over old turf, but... I immediately said I think it's too much too soon. Um, and I think I still well, maintain it was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. It was ridiculous. And then they had no time to, um, you know, get as prepared as they do this time. This time it's been done really well. And I actually also um, interviewed uh, Clint Newton from the Rugby League Players Association and he had absolutely no problem with any of these rules or the consultation that went about it. 
Um, so that is a very big change from last year when Rugby League Players Association was really angry because they said the players weren't being consulted properly and were just being left out of all these kind of decisions. So obviously yeah. a lot of consultation went into this and um, it was also a rule that um, uh, talking to them both, it seems like nobody, like everyone thought that it needed to be changed. Mm. Everyone <coughs> was like, well, this isn't... Uh, working and then there are other rules are really minor little tweaks you know the uh, 22 um, man squad because yeah. of obviously the 18th man that makes sense yeah, who cares, just really? um, yeah. trainers oh my god get the trainers off the field they drive me nuts yes um, that just is infuriating so that's a good one except where head knocks and um, yep that's fair enough so it's the rest of it's a really things that fans won't really notice yeah, too much. Yeah, good. And they shouldn't notice it too much too. Um, yeah, all right. Now, just you had a little cough there. So uh, I haven't spoken to you, or rather, no, more more correctly. I, <coughs> yes, there you go. Get it. it was, um, I I'm sorry, I wasn't doing that on cue. <laughs> I know that we haven't, dramatic. I haven't been in your company. Um, I haven't been mm. in, your, in your company um, since... What was it before Christmas? I think start it was. of the year. I think start of the year, and I went away, <laughs> yeah. and I got the dreaded C, and you were good as gold. Yeah. I saw some Instagram posts. You were going great guns, and I thought, thank God she's dodged a bullet here, but mm-hmm. you got it. Hey, it hit you. Yeah, I dodged it so much in Sydney, and as like you know, because I was talking to you, I was living like the most depressing life to try and get home and get like to yeah. this. Yes. like the wedding and all these fun things that I had planned and also seeing everybody that I hadn't seen for so long. And, and the dress. Um, and the dress and everything and blah, blah, blah. And so I dodged and lived this like most depressing life in Sydney, dodged it in Sydney and then caught it in Burroa. Yeah. Caught a, it in Burroa like yeah, it's a it's star. A nasty like, place, are you Burrow. kidding? Nasty place. Um, let's get back to some sport. No, anyway, look, you're sounding, well, I was going to say you're sounding good, but um, you're sounding a little bit, a little bit coffee. Um, Justin Langer, Justin Langer, <laughs> where will this end? Uh, more, I guess, more importantly, when will this decision be made? Do you think? Well, it seems like we'll have. They've got the board meeting on Friday, so perhaps there'll be a little bit more come from that. And I sort of hope that there's maybe a resolution on Friday because this is just starting to get mm. really embarrassing for everyone, and once again, embarrassing for Cricket Australia, who just continually seem to mismanage these situations and you've got mm. all these different things that leak and um, if I was Justin Langer, I actually just wouldn't want to be coach anymore. Like it's just so untenable at this yeah. point, I think. And it, I, I'd, I'd just say, you know what, there's a really nice coaching job that's going to come up in England and if you're really bitter and angry, <laughs> yeah. you take it and you take them to the next ashes and see what you can really do. Well, that'd be a challenge, wouldn't it? Challenge and a half if it you was to do that and this stuff you guys Well, are. yeah, it would be. But it's it really is interesting to see um, how wrong this has gone, really. And um, just the most telling thing over the summer was when no players would really endorse him when they were asked. They just said, oh, that's going to be mm. sorted out. And it's just, it's a really sticky and sad situation too to see such a legend of the game then sort of be treated like this. But um, mm. also, he's got his own faults. Right? We all have yeah. tense tears and other problems that there's been with that. But um, mm. it's just sad sort of all-round for Australian cricket. 
Yeah, I know he's got his faults, you know, and, and I've got a text here, not Ree Cricket, but Bondi Jack, he's one of our, our regular listeners, and he's always, um, I am in the corner of JL, and Bondi Jack, for example, always points out to me, Chris, 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 you've got to remember what happened, the, the shambles against India uh, last last year? Uh, yeah. Yep, but, yep. So, but what, what I'm saying is, and I know those conversations uh, with the likes of Pat Cummins and um, who else, Aaron Finch as well was involved, um, you know, his faults or flaws, and none of us are per- perfect, were pointed out. And I think he made the adjustments. He adjusted his style. He, he took on more from other people and delegated more. And so we move on. We roll forward a few months and we've won a World Cup, T20 for the first time. We've thumped England in the ashes, uh, not for the first time. And he's, um, he's inducted into the Hall of Fame for the first time. I know. So, I mean, it's the timing of funny. it all, yeah, the timing of it all, it, it's hard not to be in his corner. What, what's your gut feel? Oh, my gut feel is it just can't, it's just untenable. It's just, I don't think it can possibly, he can possibly, just the awkwardness and all the uncomfortable things that have obviously been leaked out to media as well on both sides and um, just the distrust that would be there. Um, as well, and and also the, the a lot of things were leaking before they had that really that confrontation. You know, when they went away on that camp to sort of rebuild and confront him and be like, this is the things we need to change. There was all le- things leaking all before that, and that's just not good in a team environment. I agree with you. I think he he changed the things that he was asked to change, and he's almost now being like punished for that. Being like, well, I I changed what you wanted me to change, and I'm mm. still not good enough. And I, but I sort of think it's at the point now that um, he's just not the right person to take um, them forward. And I don't think it's his fault. Mm-hmm. I think it's just the, the, it's just a clash of personalities and um, obviously a change in captaincy. A lot of dynamics have changed in that team. And I don't think he's the right person for the job anymore, but through no fault of his own. Mm. Well, I, you know, if, if I was in his position, I can understand where you're coming from too. Um, he, why don't you just say, here, stuff you guys. I've had enough of this. And I, I'd, I'll, I'll jump before you sack me, before you fail to renew me. I'm going to resign and stand down right now and go and, as you say, coach England to the next Ashes, Ashes series and see how we go. Wouldn't that be just something? Wouldn't that be theatre? Wouldn't that provide you guys at Channel 10 some storylines? <laughs> well, and, and also... Do it now before um, Pakistan, because the thing is, is that um, he actually has to go into quarantine, and then um, he so he will go into quarantine, and then he will come out um, for three days, and will go um, go basically back to his family, and then he has to go back into quarantine for Pakistan. Mm. So you've only got three days for your family. Like that is an awful, yeah. awful. You know, it's an awful time and just mentally what he's going through at the moment, like, I, I just do it now. Just don't. This mm, is like it's sort of it. gone on a bit long. Yeah. All right, yeah. mate. I appreciate you jumping on the line and having to go into the smoker's lounge of all places to uh, to join us. But uh, great to chat to you, Jaleesa. I actually just got booted from the smoker's lounge. Because well, you weren't smoking. I did this lady told, well, the lady told me to come out, but I don't know why. Um, I think I'm in trouble, Chris. You weren't smoking. No, There's a question. Can you go into a smoker's lounge and not smoke? Anyway, we'll look yes. into that. We'll look into that, Jaleesa. Thanks for your time, mate. Good to talk to you. Thank you so much. There she is, Jaleesa Raps from Channel 10. Oh, she's a, I, I love chatting to her. She's a good one. Um, what was I going to say there? Do you think she could send through if, if – I was going to say something. If she got passive 
smoking or something. Is it our fault because she had to go in there? Uh, well, she made her own choice, though. True, true. True, yeah. And yeah. she got kicked out for some reason. Exactly. Let's find out. What of the smokers, smokers out. not out yeah, of Rod Eastwood League's club. No, as far All as right. we know. As far as we know. Um, yes. Uh, stay with us. You're listening to Higher Ground. Up next, we're going to have a chat to Alex Bross. Yes, indeed it is. And we're going to be talking about some weird, wacky sports that have been and are no longer maybe at the Olympics. Uh, curling. The Winter Olympics, we will begin that tonight. At about 11.05, the Aussies will be involved. Uh, just before we go to a break, around the grounds we go in the A-League and uh, West. Western City Wanderers lead Perth Glory 1-0 uh, early in the second half. And in the A-League, women, a match on there as well. Uh, Sydney FC, they are at home to Brisbane Raw. And the Sky Blues are leading Brisbane 2-0. So stick around. Some weird Olympic sports and a whole lot more still to come. This is Higher Ground. Exactly. Nine o'clock here in uh, in Sydney, New South Wales. And that would mean uh, eight o'clock up there in Brisbane, Queensland. Welcome to our listeners too, by the way, on the Gold Coast through SEN uh, 1620 and throughout Queensland on the SENQ app. Um, welcome to the show. As if you are just a first-time listener um, and you were you know, hoping to tune into a, a hard-hitting sports program, you, you've probably come to the wrong place. We, we, look, we are a sports program, but we talk all things here. Um, and we are also guided by you, our listeners, too. So drop me a text, something you would like to talk about. Uh, look, in terms of the sports front, you might still have your opinions on Justin Langer and his future. Uh, you might have your opin- opinions on the Socceroos and Graham Arnold's future. Um, but I just can't imagine. I mean, we just spoke to um, uh, Alex Brosk there, and it has become uh, a mainstay now. We just sort of assume that we will be uh, Socceroos I'm talking about, we will be at the Olympics. And what is it? Four or five in a row we've been there. Can you imagine if they're not there? What that would do, um, I guess, to the interest in the sport. And it's a sport that's not without its issues, let's be honest, the last few years. Um, and it needs, I think, as many eyeballs as it can possibly get, particularly if you'd like to call them sort of fringe eyeballs, like myself, you know, the casual soccer fan that will watch soccer, um, but doesn't really tune into the A-League regularly. You know, I, I mean, I do for my job to keep across things, but I won't sit down each weekend, for example, and watch a full A-League game. I'll tell you that straight up. I'm not going to um, BS you. That's just, that's me. But there's a lot of people like me. And you, you probably know that my game is rugby league. Rusted on. Other games, I don't watch a whole heap of rugby union, but again, I will watch when the Wallabies are playing. You get the picture. So, I mean, that that's what happens with World Cups and, you know, and, and international events that the Socceroos are involved in or the Wallabies are involved in it. The big thing about it, it draws people like me into the game. And I dare say people, a lot of people like you, our listeners, that don't consume it each and every week. But so when there becomes a two-week window of opportunity, a very, very shiny window of opportunity for the governing body, well, they hope like hell. And they put millions of dollars of resources into getting there so that uh, the boys in green and gold do occupy a place at the World Cup. And it's not just, you know, money thrown in haphazardly and at late notice, this is development from year to year to year and four-year cycles. And I reckon if you ask the bean counters there in the suits at, at uh, Football Australia, I was just about to say Cricket Australia, Football Australia, or what's its latest terminology? They've changed it a couple of times now. Uh, whoever they are, 
Um, it was called Football Australia. Still is, mm, I think it I is. Think it well, is. FA. Um, did they budget for both the Socceroos and the Matildas to be at the next respective World Cups? You bet they did. So, I mean, there will be a gigantic hole in the balance sheets if we don't make the World Cup. I hadn't even thought about that because I don't really care about I don't care about the numbers too much, the dollars, but the governing body does because we've already uh, pointed out, as Bozza was saying, it's already got its figures stuffed up in the in the the rort, if you want to call it that, the exorbitant fees that the game charges its youngsters to play. Now, my kids don't play soccer. Well, they do actually; they do play soccer. They they play a a short term summer format of soccer. Um, six aside or five five aside, it was this year. Uh, so both my boys who play rugby league and, and they're into the surf club, we, we enrolled them into five-a-side soccer. They said, Dad, all my, my mates at school are playing. and can, can we play it? And you know what? They don't really know the rules. Well, they sort of do. You've got to get the ball in the net. But uh, all the strategy and the, the finesse, they don't really know. But they, they had fun. They went well. But I tell you what, they didn't mind charging me. I'm just trying to recollect what they charged me. So this was for like a, I don't know, a... I think it was probably five or six games of five aside. Um, each of my boys would have played, and most of them were actually rained out or coveted out or something. But I reckon it would have been about two hundred and fifty bucks a head to play five or six games of five aside soccer. That's a lot. That's a lot. Absolutely, a lot. it's a lot um, when you're a a fixed income single parent like me. Correct. <laughs> you know? um, Very much a lot. But anyway, I, I digress there. My point being. Would football – did you come up with the name as well, by the way? It is Football Australia. Football Australia, yeah. Yeah. Uh, have they budgeted for our boys to be at the next World Cup this year, by the way? Uh, yes, they have. And there will be a huge hole in the balance sheet if we don't get there. Um, that's not the biggest problem, as as I think it's, it's part of a, a wider problem in that um, they're already charging too much for youngsters to be involved. So when that revenue does come in, when we do make a World Cup – you would hope to think that, that a lot of that is sort of shelled out or dispersed to junior clubs or at least makes things more affordable for mums and dads to help uh, little Johnny play the round ball game. And you're right, as a casual fan, if we don't make the World Cup, they're going to lose a lot of people watching it. I remember the night the New South Wales Blues won the 2014 State of Origin. I was at that match, straight into the city for a 2am Socceroos game. Pub was packed, watched it. That's what they missed out on. You love a pub, don't you? I do, especially when I can watch live sport. I love about Jaleesa Raps too. She loves a pub. She does. I didn't get to. I wanted to see. I would like to want to compare you, who, you, as I said earlier, you're a very, you're a Thank unique you. individual uh, for various reasons with the likes of a, a Jaleesa Raps, who I think is a, a, a extraordinary girl. We can get her back on next week, I'm sure, mm. and we can do a. Comparison. If you're just tuning in late, um, I pointed out at the top of the show, uh, the Cowboy Dan, by the way, in the studio with Hello. me, Chris Warren. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Absolutely fabulous. That's good. Um, good I say thanks. Yeah. Uh, I help produce it. They say, <laughs> I say he's a unique individual because he's 32, I think. 31. Okay. Don't age. Whatever. Don't. Yeah. 31. Right. So listen to this, ladies and gents. I sort of shush you. Listen to this, ladies and gents. Cowboy Dan, 31-year-old male, uh, never married. That's that, that, that that's fine. That's no biggie. No kids, that's no biggie either because that can all happen, right? But so, but my top six, six things so far, and this list is being added to, the top six that Cowboy Dan, this is him on his CV. Number one, 
has never driven a car. Number two, has never fished before. Never caught a fish, never held a fishing rod or even a fishing reel. Number three, has never ridden a horse. I think surely we've all sat on a horse at some stage, haven't we? Uh, Number four, has never played chess. Again, I think all of us at some stage have tried to play chess. Number five, has never surfed. Again, I think most of us have at least tried. Um, have you ridden a boogie board? No. Absolutely no. brilliant. Oh, brilliant. So never surfed nor ridden boogie board. And number six, and this is this is a big one too, other than you know, which doesn't really count, he's never played cards. So they're the six so far, and I guarantee we are going to add to this list. And they're just some of the reasons, ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a most unique individual here on the higher ground uh, set. Thank you. What do you think up there? What are you thinking there? Do you think he's a little – you like it? <laughs> okay. Got some fans. Got some fans here in the higher ground uh, studio audience. Mm. Um, pull up a stool. Come and join us, by the way, if you want to. Can you just get me another one of those little shandies in the can? Thank you. Just getting a little bit parched. A little bit parched there. Uh, one of our listeners, where are we before? Tim the Toolman, he was listening in before. We got that button out just for him, actually. Uh, he's probably into about six of those by now as already. Keep those texts coming through. Um, uh, Reptile got yours. We'll get to them. <laughs> I love what Reptile does, right? So he tags and he texts first. He, he sort of really plays up to my ego, yep. which is great. It's a good I'm thing the, to do. We've all got an ego, right? Um, we've got, some of us keep it in check better than others, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, good. Yep. So, uh, and and his first line is always quite, um, I don't know, I don't know how he does, yeah, uh, complimentary or it, it bigs me up a bit, yeah. pumps up my ties. Evening War, the Warrior Wizard of SEN, he'll he title this one. And then he's got another one here, and I'll read out the content of it, but now it's another one. Uh, G'day, Chris, the Sultan of Sports Radio. Very, very nice yeah. thing to say. Yeah, yeah. So that's the reptile, and the content of which I'll get to them. Uh, <laughs> I'll get them. Keep them coming through, 0457, because you too, you too can have your name and uh, your ideas uh, read out live here on uh, the Higher Ground uh, Radio uh, 1170 SEN. Keep them coming through. 0457 736 736. What I want to get to, um, and let's throw it out there too, as a, as a topic for you to text in. What are some of the, give me your top three weirdest sports, wackiest sports, okay? Give me one or two if you want, but if you want to give me three, give me three. Weird and wonderful sports that, and some of them you might say to yourself, you know what? It's not really sport. So by that, if, for example, I was to say to you, all right, is synchronized swimming sport? No. But it's at the Olympics, so surely it is. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and what's the ball and the ribbon one? You know the one in the gymnastics, the I, ribbon and all that. Yeah, is that sport? I, I don't think so. Or is that theatre? But it is, yeah. Um, it is. is fishing sport? No, see, I think fishing, not that I've ever done fishing, I think that's sort of a... Well, you wouldn't know. No, I shouldn't comment probably. <laughs> no, you goose, you wouldn't know. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Is fishing sport? Well, it sort of is because there is sports fishing and, and a load of fishing events you go out and, and I've watched a couple of them. I haven't been involved in any. Um, mm. But it's more recreation, isn't it? 
but it's not at the Olympics. Nope. So he's fishing sport. But some, some wacky uh, sporting events, and I, I dug out a little article somewhere earlier, uh, given that curling, and have you watched curling, ladies and gents? Have, have you watched curling? You know what? I'd like to play curling. I love playing lawn bowls, barefoot bowls, beautiful. I think it's really good fun for all ages. Uh, 10-pin bowls, don't mind that. But I just didn't like the smelly shoes I had to hire. So I haven't played that for a long, long time, 10-pin bowls. I guess things have probably changed um, in modern times. And I am a bit of a dinosaur, so I'm told by a few people. A few of our listeners have said I'm a dinosaur. What was the last person that called me a dinosaur? Because I'm trying to work out what it was I had my stance on. Oh, I'll tell you what it was. It was Nick Kyrgios. Because I didn't like the effing and, you know, the F-bombs being dropped. Because uh, kids are listening to that, you know. And one of our listeners said, uh, Chris, are you, were, you, I don't, were you producing it? Probably not. No. I said, I'll oh, get on with it. You're, you're dinosaur, you know. All kids swear. Well, you know what? No, they don't. No, they don't. And and I swear, like a trooper, right place, right time, with mates at a bar, you know, if no one's around. I can swear like the best of them, but believe, believe it or not, I can. As long as you don't on air, that's perfectly I know, fine. I know. It's hard sometimes. Sorry? Not to swear. It is. Uh, yeah, so, but, but you know, uh, uh, my, my kids don't swear. That's good. Good parents. I don't swear in front of them. And, and the listener then sent another text in. Oh, you bet. I bet they do swear around their mates and all that. Well, you know, I hope they don't. I don't think they do. Mm. Don't think I, if I ever do swear, so if I get, say, angry, um, at home, I'll chastise them because one of my boys is just so bloody lazy, you know, leaves his ice cream packet sticks everywhere. And uh, I just, you know, anyway, um, and I might drop a bloody into it occasionally. Dad, why are you swearing? You know, he'll say, and he's like 13. Well, that's good. That is great parenting, Chris. And like tonight, I spilt the gravy that I was making oh, nice dear. onion gravy for the results. Mm. And I spilt the gravy all over the top of the stove. Oh, dear. Top least, of the hob. At least it wasn't on you. Well, sh- Shivers Regal came out. Yeah, I did it. Mm. Yeah. And I was in a hurry to get here, by the way. Mm. I was show. juggling a thousand things. Uh, I had my kids at home and I'm trying to cook them dinner. Just came back from surfboard, um, surf club training and I'm looking at the clock and I knew I had to write actually a couple of scripts. Mm. Yeah, I know. You don't, this isn't scripted, I know. What you're asking me, do we actually <laughs> write scripts for this stuff? Well, no, I don't. But sometimes I'll write a few notes for myself. Bullet yeah. points. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do come a little bit prepared. You do, yes. So I knew I had to write a few, few things, yep. blah, 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 cook the kids dinner uh, and I'm looking at the clock and I'm going, oh, no. I have to jump in the shower and blah, blah, blah. So I've got everything on the go there. I've got the gravy just simmering away. I've got the rissoles there cooked there in the oven. I've got the steamed beans on top of the potatoes. I've got the mash ready to go. Good though. Nice. And I got the rissoles. I know I'm digressing. Where am I going here? Well, no, I got, I spent $115 yeah. on meat this afternoon. It's a lot for meat. I hope you got a lot of meat. Fair bit, yeah. Oh, bloody heavy. Yep, I imagine. Uh, oh, I reckon about, oh, I reckon about fifteen kilos of it, Ooh. you know, in the end. But my point being, yeah. linking it back to the story of, of me cooking kids dinner. Yeah. I was in. It's a wholesale meat butchering. Butcher, yeah. Was that yep. so? And there's these rissoles. My kids love rissoles when I make them. Mm. They're these really tantalising, good-looking rissoles. Mm. A rissole can be good-looking, right? It can be. And I'm thinking. So I said to the head butcher, I said, "Are they better than mine that I make at home?" And he said, "Yes." So I said, all right, well, give me a kilo of those. Yep, yep. Salesman. He should be selling Porsche. <laughs> he should. <laughs> anyway, so I took them home and I said, I'll, I'll come back to you guys. I'll let you know. Yep. The kids will be the judge. Honest feedback. And I had, had them myself tonight. Were they better than yours? Yeah. 
a mile better. Oh, there you go. Really good. Really good. <laughs> anyway, we'll get to, we'll take a break, I reckon. And yep. if you've got some weird and wonderful sports, send them through. Send them through. Quarter past nine in uh, New South Wales. Quarter past eight in uh, Queensland. So it's not too late. You're listening. Jump on there. Send me through some weird sports. What are the weirdest sports we've got going around? This is Higher Ground. Yes, it is. Hope you're well. Hope you're well. Keep those text messages coming through, won't you? I've got a couple in there. Uh, Bondi Jack Reptile. Get to those in just a minute. Um, sorry for talking about Rissoles and all that. We really digress there. and um, But we'll talk more hard-hitting sport in a moment. Um, Lockie McCurdy from Code Sports is going to join us very, very shortly. So look forward to that. We'll touch on uh, the Winter Olympics, obviously. But I'll throw that topic out there again. Some weird or wacky sports. What are some of the weirdest sports we've got? Um, send through your sports, your wackiest sports, 0457 736 736. Because uh, tonight being the, I guess, the, well, it's not the opening of the Winter Olympics. That would be the opening ceremony. But the Winter Olympics is beginning a couple of days before the opening ceremony. And curling will be uh, the first sport that Aussies are, are involved in. So, And it is a bit of a weird sport, isn't it? curling so that's what i'm asking you weird and wacky sports send them through let's now uh, join uh, lockie mccurdy from code sports good evening to you lockie thanks for joining us mate so good to be here chris look I, i'm considering myself or i'm unofficially calling myself a curling expert as sport. <laughs> um, i cannot wait to to watch some aussies finally compete at the olympics in curling it's about time righto now you've really thrown yourself in it here i hope you're prepared to back it up that big statement because um, I, I, I sort of Googled it today knowing I'd be talking mm. about it at some stage, which you've obviously done as well, and we've looked into the rules of curling. Um, would it be throwing you under the bus if I just ask you to sort of summarise the rules of curling? I'll, I'll give it my best go. Go like, like you said, yes, yes, I have been doing a bit of research. <laughs> so uh, the way a lot of people describe it is either chess on ice or lawn bowls on ice. You mm. kind of want to think of it in a, in a mixture that way. So you've got this long sort of bowling alley essentially of ice but you've got this target down the end and that's called the house, the house. so in there there's four separate circles uh there's usually one larger blue one and then a smaller red one inside and the very center of that red one is called um uh the button the, essentially the center of the house and if you kind of think of it like darts it's like the bullseye, the bullseye yeah. essentially and you, you want your, your spinal stones to end up in there and the way the points work is whoever has whichever team so it's a team sport so one team against another, which other team has the, the stone in the centre of the button or closest to the button will get at least get one point. point. And then there's points allocated based on where the rest of the, the Next stones kind of end stone. up. Kind of, yeah. yeah, kind of like lawn bowls in that sense, where it's all about getting it closer to the jack and whoever's yeah. closer around that. So, um, but yeah, it, it's kind of just such a fascinating thought because obviously everyone looks at it and goes, okay, the, the stone part makes sense. But what about the guys with the brooms? What, what, yes. what does that mean? And, so well, this is what I was really well, yeah, when you just say go, when you say guys with the brooms, right? So tonight we've got mixed, but it's only two, so there's only going to be mm. one person with the broom, right? That clear. Mm. I'm just looking, so actually, looking at the big app. screen. Look at the big screen. There's some curling happening. Oh, just no, it's a highlights package. <laughs> so yeah, we've got our, our Aussies, uh, Tyler Gill and Dean Hewitt. Um, so. Charlie's the one who, who's usually got the stone in the hand and I'll be Dean following down with sweeping. Um, and, and the reason why they sweep is because there's the idea is it's not quite clear ice. It's got a little bit of friction there. And the idea is that if you want the, the stone to go a little bit further, yep. just add you, water. You use the, the, you use the broom essentially to, to flatten out the surface a bit, make it a bit smoother, generate less friction and the stone will go a little bit further. So that's why you'll see, 
the the person at the other end for the Aussies that'll be Tali, she'll yeah. they'll have a certain amount of signals and just say sweet 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 or stop stop because she's basically judging the length and the distance and that sort of thing. So it's a, a really important part of the communication oh, there. Oh gee, I tell you what, I could have done with with uh, a sweeper. Uh, yesterday, I was trying to mop, mop my floors, and I've got some stained floorboards, and I got the mop out, and, and I was giving it everything I've got. It's funny, though. So you're right with that sweeper. So they, they're just in front of the, the disc, or what do you call it, the, the mm. stone, the and stone. that friction just heats it up a bit, so there's a bit more fluid there, and, okay, a bit more, a bit more, and that'll send it through. So a fascinating sport. Mm. Um, I dare, I don't want to go into the origins of it, but uh, those stones, too, by the way, I was looking at that today, that they cost... Um, about seven hundred dollars each, I think. I don't know what they weigh, um, but yeah, interesting old game. So that mm. happens tonight, um, and again, like happens at most Olympics these days, is you've got sport taking place before the opening ceremony. Yeah, we do. I, I think it's just part of the parcel of the Olympics these days. That just because there's so much sport in the games, they just can't fit it in on all of the days. That they kind of have to start a little bit early. So. Oh, to you and I, it would make sense to maybe just move the opening ceremony a bit mm. earlier then. But I guess their logic is just have it on the Friday because that's where we saw the the the, Beige, um, the Tokyo Olympics. Their opening ceremony was also on a Friday. So have it on the Friday. And we can have a few events before. So you obviously mentioned it's happened before. We had softball start early for the Tokyo Olympics last year. So, yeah, now we've got curling being the, the Aussie representatives and they kick off uh, 11.05. Eastern Daylight Time, our time tonight. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Dan, uh, producer Cowboy Dan here, he's just said, yeah, 19.1 kgs those stones weigh. Uh, there mm. you go. Uh, that was about the uh, weight of the meat that I bought at the Wholesale Butcher <laughs> this afternoon. What are our medal chances at the Winter Olympics? Uh, how are we looking? Because where, wherever I read, it seems to be saying it, it could well be the most successful Winter Olympics that we've we've been at. It certainly could be. So we've got a team of 43. It was meant to be 44, but poor um, Alpine skier Maddie Hoffman did her ACL just a fortnight before the game. So she was all set to, to be in the games and has done her ACL. So unfortunately, she won't be there. But in the team, I reckon there's a genuine five or six who are very good medal chances. And then there's probably another five or six outside of that who, in the nature of sort of the competitive sport, racing, things like that, could find themselves on the podium. And the, the ones that I really am drawn to so far these Olympics are Laura Peel, who's a, a freestyle aerial, aerial mm-hmm. skier. She's world number one. She's won the, the Crystal Globe for, for, I guess, most World Cup wins, I think, two years in a row now. And obviously, Australia's got quite a good sort of record in freestyle aerial skiing historically. Uh, but so we've got her. And then also Daniel Scott is also competing in that event too. So we've got two really good Aussie chances there. But Laura is definitely the one to watch. Uh Scotty James is another name that I think most people will be familiar with um, over on the snowboard half pipe. He came away with bronze in Pyeongchang. Yeah. Sort of, it, this is his fourth Olympics now. He competed his first Olympics when he was just 15. So it's incredible to think that this Amazing. is already his fourth Olympics and he's only 27. But he's won X Games recently and, yeah, he, he looks in good form and he's got a point to prove after uh, 2018 so I really like the looks of him then the, the other main one that I'd like to focus on is Jakara Anthony she's a, a mogul scare obviously mm. mogul is again another sport that Australia have done quite well in over the years the likes of Dale Begg Smith who has just been fantastic but Jakara has really timed her run well for these Olympics that obviously a bit disrupted by COVID but over the last sort of 12 months she's 
She's made a habit out of finishing on the podium. There was one weekend at the World Cup just in December in France where she won both events over the weekend. And um, it, it was just phenomenal. I think she's had six events or World Cup events in this season. So this European winter, essentially, or this Northern Hemisphere winter, only one of them she didn't finish on the podium. So she's looking very good to kind of finally get a, a medal because she finished um, just out of the places in Pyeongchang as well in fourth. That uh, I was reading that article today um, in the Daily Telegraph. Um, who, uh, Julian Linden uh, mm. wrote uh, about Jakara. So we talk about, you know, skeleton and luge and some of those frightening sports. But, I mean, the moguls, that one there, you're going so fast um, over 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 the bumps or the humps um, or the moguls, mm. and then you've got to pull off a, a crazy sort of routine as well. And she's got what what's called the Cork 720 Mute um, yep. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 sort of it's it's a full flip with two rotations and a grab of a skis in midair, and it says here is so outrageous that hardly anyone else in the world will even attempt it. So if you can pull that off or land it, um, like all the kids these days, they land their their water bottles, don't they? <laughs> if you can pull it and land mm. it, so that's one to look out for. So um, I'm suddenly all of a sudden quite interested into in the uh, mm. the Winter Olympics, but. You're right. There's been a few girls over the years that have um, done really, really well. Uh, Tora Bright, we we know of her, and Lydia Lassila. So, um, yeah. looking looking forward to it. Look, it, it's not been without its problems and its dramas, uh, Lockie, has it? Um, COVID concerns, and also, I guess you, you, you say don't mix politics with sport, but um, it it certainly has been mixed in the build up. Without a doubt, that it, it's going to be like Tokyo, different Olympics to what we're used to, different Winter Olympics to what all these winter athletes are used to. I guess firstly on COVID, I think that by the looks of things, the biosecurity bubble and everything they've got in place are going to be some of the strictest conditions we've seen in the world. And it's been good to see a lot of the athletes come out and say how safe they feel, how protected they feel, and that they feel it is a really good environment. It's not too onerous or anything like that, but you're having to get daily PCR tests if you're in the bubble. Um, the streets of Beijing in particular, but obviously there's a few towns up in the mountains too where their hosting events are feeling pretty much empty. And yeah, a lot of strict conditions when it comes to that. But you're right in terms of some of the other concerns. But obviously when it comes to China, there's been a, a lot of talk about China in the last, not just a couple of weeks, but last few years really. But I think it's been accentuated in terms of sport and politics with what's happening with the, the tennis player Peng Shui. We obviously saw some of the T-shirts uh, at the Australian Open with security saying, no, you can't hide that banner. And then people came back wearing T-shirts. But it, it's hard to see her not being raised at some point during the Games. I mean, security-wise, there is concern that some of the apps that the, the athletes have to download might be used for surveillance or covertly. And for that reason, a lot of athletes and a lot of people just travelling in general, this isn't just an Australian thing. A lot of people going to China for these Games have taken burner phones with them as a precaution. That's sort of how serious these concerns are and I mean when you've got sort of people coming out and saying that if people go against the Olympic spirit that they will face punishment it it is kind of concerning but you you just hope there's a a lot of sensible things Mm. put into action by the team I mean we were were on a press conference with Jeff Lipsch at the Australian chef demission I think a week and a little bit ago and he was kind of just saying look we were happy for our athletes to have their own opinion but we also just telling them just make sure you abide by the host nation and the host customs and things like that and everyone should be fine. So I don't think this 
these Olympics will be without incident. I think there's, it just feels like everything's drawing over at the moment, but it's just waiting to see where that's going to come from. Mm. All right, Lockie, mate, thanks for joining us. I always like chatting to you, buddy, so I appreciate you taking time out to join us on Higher Ground. Thanks so much, Chris. Enjoy the uh, curling tonight. Will do. No, I will. I'll, I'll try and um, tune in to, to some of it at least. So that all starts tonight, the Winter Olympics in Beijing. And uh, so Australia finished 23rd on the medal ladder last time out in Pyeongchang with two silver medals and a bronze. Uh, this article here says that's a fairly accurate, accurate reflection of our place in the winter sports world. But this year could be our best ever with several solid medal chances. So we have, uh, what have we got um, five gold, five silver, and five bronze medals. Um, there you go, over the last seven Winter Olympics. So we'll just have to wait and see. I want to talk about the fake snow. I'd like to talk and keep those texts coming through. Loads of them are coming through, actually, about weird sports. So I will read them out. We're going to talk some Canberra Raiders uh, after the next break. Before we go to the break, I want to talk about some fake snow. we got time to talk about fake snow. We do. Yes, we do. I watched a movie actually yesterday and not that fake snow. It was called Blow. Blow. Yeah, well, yes, so you no, finished that. off the movie. You finished it off. Yeah. yeah, it's not that sort of movie. But fake snow. Listen to this, righto. Yes. Yep. Um, so it's almost 100% artificial snow will be used in Beijing. Mm. Uh, and not surprising given the climate, I guess. Now, fake snow first used at the Winter Olympics. It was in Lake Placid in 1980. Mm. Um, artificial snow has become more commonplace at the Games. It comes with a significant risk. And a very big cost. I want you, uh, ladies and gents and cowboy and tune into these figures, right? Around 1.2 million cubic metres of snow will be required for the Games, which are taking place in one of the most arid areas of China. So that will, will require an estimated 49 million gallons or 222, 222 million litres on Richie Ben O'Day, the 2nd of February, 22. So 222 million litres of chemically treated water to be frozen by around 130 snow generators and around 300 snow guns. Now, Beijing is one of the most water-scarce cities in the world. So keep this in mind. So using all that water for the Olympics takes a major environmental toll, let alone a hit to the back pocket, this article goes on. Plus, you've got climate change. You've seen average temperatures soar in Beijing in recent years. Based on historical temperatures data for Beijing, nearly every February day for the past 30 years has been above the freezing level for water. That means extra work for the snowmakers just to maintain the proper snow conditions for the events. Blah, blah, blah. And put simply, fake snow just isn't the same as natural snow. Here's one for you. I've never skied. There you go. Think about that. Put that into your tank when you I'll ask me that, things, yep, yep. things that I haven't you done. Haven't done yep. Another thing I haven't done yep. is that fake snow. No, I've never About that movie that. I was talking no, about. Right, okay. Yep. Um, so there you go. Uh, as I say, fake snow just isn't the same as natu- natural snow. Mm. One's, it's fake. Well, of course. It yeah. contains almost 30% ice and 70% air compared to natural snows, 10% ice and 90% air. So there you go. Some stuff you didn't know about fake snow. I like snow. That almost rhymed. Do you like snow? Yeah, I love snow. I love making snow, man. Yeah. Oh, it's something about it, isn't it? Yeah. Keep those texts coming through. Weird and wacky sports. Uh, I will. I promise I get, I'll get. i get through them 
before the hour is out. There you go. I'll get through them before 11 o'clock. Pressure now on me. Up next, we're going to talk some rugby league. More specifically, we're going to talk Canberra Raiders. Well, you know, I love me footy and the NRL All-Stars game is in, what is about 10 days away yep. now. And so the NRL season begins, I think, plucking off the 10th of March, March rings 10, a bell. Yes, like five weeks. Mar- Sorry? Five weeks. Yeah, around about five weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, great to have footy not too far away. We thought we'd talk a bit of footy now uh, because we can and because uh, I like footy. Uh, so too does our next guest. And he runs the uh, Canberra Raiders community website. It's called gh.com.au. His name is Andrew Smith. Andrew, good evening to you. Welcome to Higher Ground. Uh, please, firstly, mate, gh.com.au. What's the GH stand for? Uh, it's the Greenhouse. I think it was born as the Greenhouse Act by... Um by uh, a man called Steve uh, a long, long time ago, actually. Uh, I'm just uh, the friendly IT nerd that kind of looks right. after it and keeps it running and all that sort of stuff. Oh, that's good, mate. Well, 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 I'm sure you're not such a nerd, but we're just talking about fake snow and I watched a movie called Blow and now you're talking about the greenhouse. I mean, we could be talking about, <laughs> <laughs> we could be talking about anything. All makes a lot of sense. And actually, <laughs> it's all legal down there now, isn't it? So oh, it probably well, is the same so, thing. You know, it wouldn't matter to me anyway. Righto. Um <laughs> Uh, okay, you had a couple of great years, didn't you? 2019, 2020, then last year failed to make the finals um, for the first time yep. in a few years. It was it was a season from hell, if we want to be bluntly honest. Um, nothing seemed to go right. There were quite a few dramas off the field as well. You had the dramas around your halfback. Um, Jack Whiten had a, a dreadful season, I think, by his standards, mm-hmm. and quite a few injuries as well. So... That's the bad stuff out of the way. I guess, mate, well, the, uh, the I guess, <laughs> I guess now uh, the positives for Raiders fans that might be listening, surely it's got to be a better season in 2022. Um, or oh, not. Surely. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. Mm. Um, I think, I think the interesting one for us this year, uh, poor old Joshy Hodgson. I think, I think as soon as he went down with the, his um, mm. ACL um, and then the game got, you know, 30, 40% quicker the next year or whatever stat you're reading. Mm. Um, it was just tough for him to... The, the Raiders had that whole that whole sort of... The, the tanks running off his hip. So we had Papali scoring more tries than ever and all that mm. sort of stuff under the post. It worked against the Roosters and got us to the grand final. And when you got that, that gives White and Space, I guess, on the, on the left edge. And yeah, it, the game sort of caught up to us all, I think. Um, even Elliot Whitehead and all those sorts of guys. Um, hopefully this year we're a bit quicker. Um, we're bringing all the youngsters through in uh, Xavier Savage and we've got um, Nick Kotrick back and a, a bit of pace out wide with Smith Shields and all those sorts of guys. I think the big question for us this year, um, God forbid, you know, poor old, poor old Toots, Jared Croker, who... Mm. You know, his trend line is to become the highest scoring player of all time, but his shoulder's in trouble. Um, his knee has done that stem cell injection thing. So yeah. um, we've got fingers and toes crossed this year as, uh, as Raiders fans. Head, shoulders, knees and toes for, for Jared Crowe. You know, yeah, he's, he's yep. been held together by masking tape, it, it sounds. That's right. Crow, uh, wonderful servant to the club. You just hope, but I think if I'm, if I'm going to be honest with you, um, he's seen his best years. I hope I'm wrong, you know, but let's be honest about it. He probably has. George Williams gone, all that drama last year. So Jamal Fogarty comes in, a bit of a lifeline thrown to him by Ricky Stewart. Yeah, I think that's an, an interesting recruit. I, I, I'm sort of looking at this year and, well, as a Raiders fan that kind of pays attention to this stuff on a on a 
business level, I guess, which is what it's all about now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm probably sort of a thinking outside the box as a Raiders fan. I'd be, I'd be thinking about Croker um, being in, deciding whether he's still got the game or not. It's pretty tough mm. when you got Crichton and and Latrell and these six foot four tanks mm. running at you. That that they're a different body shape and size now, and that that's pretty tough for people. But I'd be moving on, honestly. I'd be considering moving Whiten uh, to four in the centres where, um, you know, Brad Fittler has recognised that uh, yeah. for the Blues, apart from the one game last year. Um, Whiten's a hard-hitting ball runner. So if Fogarty's at six this year and Hodgson's at seven and you and you, you have a little number nine running around, then well, next you, you year... Think, you think you play Hodgson at, 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 six, at seven, do you think? But I think I think I think it may end up there option. because the seven has more time and mm. and he's you know nine hundred k or whatever it is and he's off to para next year so the Raiders must be in the market um, next November or so to be looking at a half I think and Jack is potentially a thirteen or a four in my opinion I, I don't know yeah but um, I just I just see we need bigger bodies out wide because that's what the Roosters and and the Panthers and all those guys are doing the Crichtons out there. And even at the Broncos, um, even Stag has, has come in field. Um, so, you know, playing six and, and that's, I don't know. It, it's just thing. All the body shapes are sort of changing around. They are with the game. It's evolving, moving in different directions. Um, you touched on this youngster earlier and he's lightning quick. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. Uh, Xavier Savage. Yep. So who do you yep. think will, who do you think will start in the one? I think Xavier will. Um, I, I think what's going to happen, and I think this is why Croker's under so much pressure, with Smith Shields, um, Chance, uh, Tomoko, Sebastian, Chris, mm. you got Nick Kotrick, Rapana, um, with, which is why we obviously let Bailey Simonson go to the Eels. Mm. We've got we're, we're, we've got eight players that can sort of fill that back line. I think that puts Jared under a bit of pressure. Obviously, he'll be respected. You know, he's the heart and soul of the team and all that sort of stuff. But, but um, if, if I think by sort of round seven, eight, I think Jared and Ricky will sit down and decide whether he's still, still able to hang in there and, and, and defend and all that sort of stuff. His kicking is undeniable, but you know, Fogarty can kick. So Mm. the the movement is good. And the the thing, sorry, the last one I'll make, the thing that Ricky has been, um, well, he's been much maligned in the media, but the thing he's been brave at is when he turned up, he made some of the most difficult decisions at the Raiders, moving Terry Campisi and David Shillington and, you know, the the forever players. He moved them on. Can you imagine sitting down with Terry Campisi and saying you've got to go off to England and stuff like that? Like, that's difficult. Mm. And I think that's one of Ricky's strengths is having that difficult conversation. He did the same thing with Leilua after that grand final that I don't want to talk to Daniel about ever again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, mm. it's, it's, it's just quite, quite complicated. Um, I, I think running the business and being mates and keeping morale up and then also sitting down and saying it's time to, it's time to move on. Oh, no one said, um, that, no one says an easy gig being a first grade coach, but then they're, they're paid, um, paid quite handsomely as well. Okay. Finally, I'm talking yep. to Andrew uh, Smith, by the way, from uh, Canberra Raiders community website, gh.com.au. What is a, a successful season look like for the green machine in 2022? Oh, geez. Um, I think I was actually joking with a mate of mine today. Everyone, 
that thinks they're somewhere between 10th and 6th, they always just aim at 8th. I think uh, the poor old West Tigers fans have been doing that for a decade. Um, I think I think the Raiders, if they stay healthy and, and our forwards uh, do a good job and Papa stays fit and and we figure out how to adapt and recover from last year. I think we I think we really do run six, seven, eight, and I'd be happy with that. I don't think we're top four. I think I think um, I think there are too many of the the, the young heavyweights up there um, in the Panthers and the Roosters are there all the time. I I think I've been saying it for 15 years, but I think this might be the year that the Storms struggle a little bit. Who knows? Um, but yeah, if the Raiders scrape into the top eight. Um, They'll be doing pretty well. I think the Eels will be up there, um, and Manly obviously are obviously going to be a problem this year. So, yeah, if, if that's your top four, then five, six, seven, eight. I think the Raiders, if they sneak in there, great. If they have a few injuries and drop a few of those easy games and all that sort of stuff, and have another year like last year, there, ten to eleven. All right. Well, there's the crystal ball. Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Really appreciate the chat. All the best with the rest of the season. We might have you on again and, and chat uh, Green Machine in the future. No worries, Chris. Thanks, mate. Great stuff. There he is, Andrew uh, Smith from uh, the Green Machine uh, community uh, website, gh.com.au. Around the grounds, too, I haven't mentioned this score full-time, so Western Sydney Wanderers have beaten Perth Glory 1-0 in the A-League men's competition and in the A-League women's competition as well. Sydney FC women have beaten Brisbane Raw 2-0. Uh, up next, I'll be getting through a tonne of your texts. You bet it is, and great to have your company. Hope you're enjoying your uh, Wednesday evening. It is Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is yes. Wednesday for at least another couple of hours anyway. So um, welcome to the show. Thanks for those of you who have sent text messages through. Uh, I'm going to read through a few of them in just a moment as well. Uh, this one from Bondi Jack. It's about the Roosters and their draw for the upcoming season. Um, Jacko, uh, I'm going to talk about that early in the next hour. We'll uh, have a look at the Roosters draw, okay? Uh, and I'll uh, read through your text there. Uh, back on the Reptile, uh, Evening Wah, the Warrior Wizard of SEN. <laughs> uh, he says, I like the six again rule. It really help uh, spark my favourite player, Cody Walker. Uh, it's magic to watch. As for Justin Langer, he has to go. Thank you, Reptile. Well, the six again rule, okay, you're in favour of it. I think they needed to adjust it. They have adjusted it slightly with the new rules coming in in that a penalty will be given uh, to the attacking team coming out of their own 40 uh, where infringements are made. Uh, yeah, no, obviously the, the six again restarts. Very, very conducive to those players that... Um, a freewheeling footballers that play what they see, ad lib sort of stuff, and uh, more the touch football type style. So I can understand you liking that. Uh, this one here, Stevie from Padstow. Good evening to you, Eddie the Eagle. Uh, we're talking about the Winter Olympics starting uh, in just over an hour. Uh, our mixed curling team will be uh, playing, yeah, playing, um, yeah. competing. So, yeah, and I was talking about some weird and wacky sports like, like curling. Eddie the Eagle, was he the full quid? Uh, crazy, Steve. Yeah, he was anyone that, I think anyone that can do that downhill skiing or what, what do you call it? I mean, they are. They are half mad, surely. Have to be. So, so dangerous. Uh, this one here, g'day, fellas. And uh, we're talking about weird and wacky sports. I got tractor pulling, lawnmower racing, and underwater hockey from Redman. Yes, thank you very much. Um, and hi, Chris. A Pat Cummins doco I was watching with some early footage had a young Chris Warren reading sports on Fox Sports News. Did you see? Uh, Steve from Patster. I did it, mate. But it wasn't 
wasn't such a young um, Chris Warren because I was at Fox. That would have only been eight, seven, eight years ago. Anyway, keep them coming through. This is Higher Ground. A break and back with more. Yes, it is. And coming up to, well, exactly 10 o'clock here in New South Wales, 9 o'clock in Queensland. Again, welcome to our listeners up there on the Gold Coast through SEN 1620 and uh, via the app on SENQ. And uh, to our listeners here in the uh, the Harbour City through SEN 1170. Hope you're well. Wednesday, the 2nd of February, 2022, or Richie Benno Day, as we are. And God bless his soul, Richie, too. God bless his soul. Um, but uh, 2nd of the 2nd, twenty. 26 overs, two for two, two, two. Two, two, two. Uh, when did I rattle off the two, two, two earlier on? It was something else. When it just came into something conversation. Oh, the snow? The snow, the was snow? it? The was fake, it snow? fake snow? Was it the fake snow? Two, two, two actually just came into play without us. Yeah. It was not contrived. Um, and I'm trying to work out where the two, sure two, two actually came from, where it just sort of popped off this script somewhere. Ways, no, it caused, I don't know. I'm don't sure. Know. Sure it was the Winter Olympics. Maybe it was something else. Oh, I'm sure it was anyway. We'll, we'll go back no, and we'll find it, we'll find it somewhere. Anyway, hope you're well. Yes. I hope you're well. Uh, read the text line 0457 736 736. Uh, this one here again from the reptile. We're talking about, um, Mark Bosnich has, has made quite a few comments today, this afternoon here on this station and you know it's it's not unlike uh Bozza to, to to speak his mind but this has been going on for a while too and th- in a nutshell what he was saying was that the game you know football soccer in this country it needs a, a major overhaul and we've heard these discussions in times of the past when uh, the sport hasn't been going so well and this all comes on the back of uh, the Socceroos in the early hours this morning, um, having a draw with Oman. They should have beaten Oman. And now they, well, they are a grave danger of missing out on the World Cup. And it just won't be a World Cup from our perspective, will it, if the Socceroos aren't there? It comes a couple of days or more after the Matildas were dumped out of the Asian Cup as well. So all is not really good on the international front at the moment, but it goes deeper than that. And uh, Bozzer was saying, yeah, the whole the whole joint needs an overhaul from grassroots up to the top, and it's been a problem for a while. Uh, the reptile says, and, and and one of the issues is the just exorbitant prices that mums and dads have to pay for their children to play soccer in this country. And I I've experienced it to a lesser extent. My kids are footy players, uh, rugby league, but they also play. You know, dallied in soccer over the summer and I think I paid $250 a head for about a five game competition of five a side something like that anyway and it was it was probably treble what I pay for rugby league fees registration fees for a whole season so there you go that puts that into comparison uh, this is from the reptile he says uh g'day Chris uh, yeah okay the salt of sports radio he says I just signed my nine-year-old up for soccer two weeks after Christmas it cost in total with registration and uniform $420. You know, so there you go. Like, And you've got, let's say you've got three kids like I do. Um, it suddenly becomes prohibitive. And children playing sport, it should never be about money. Unless you're talking dressage or something like that where, you know, or polo where you know, it is for the wealthier that have a horse and can afford all that. But, you know... You, your sport, like any code of, of footy, it should never become down to money, whether little Johnny or little Sally can play the game. 
But when you start having to shell out $420 like Reptile has, but for one child, a nine-year-old, to play, double that, treble that, but for a few kids, and you can see how costly it is. It just starts, now it becomes, oh, you know what, Johnny, do you really want to play or do you want to try out surfing or or what, you know, yeah. um, or fishing. Fishing, yeah. You know? yeah. But the thing is, and the thing is, and I know firsthand because, and we also get these uh, couple of vouchers from um, New South Wales Services New South Wales, participation vouchers. I forget what they're called, but you get $100 uh, a kid for, per year. In fact, you get $200. You get two vouchers of $200 per kid per year for school children. But, you know, let's take my kids, for example. So they played some soccer over the summer. They played some touch football over the summer. Um, they play rugby league through the winter. And they do nippers at their local surf club. Very active. Mate, you add that up. Mm, that's a lot of money. You add that up yep. and, and you start talking about a 1000 bucks per child. Yep. Yep. And it suddenly does become prohibitive. Now, yep. in fairness, I should probably say to them, hey, kids, you've got to pick one or two mm. sports, but... No, in, I don't want them sitting in their room on their device. I want them playing as many sports as possible and preferably the team sports. But thank you for your, your text there, Reptile. Um, and you guys out there might also have similar instances. You've got a few kids and you've just got to cut back on some of the sport they play. And it's a shame. But those vouchers, by the way, they are really useful. When they first introduced them a few years ago, I thought, oh, yeah, is anyone ever going to take these up? But as a coach, so I coach junior league as well, um, everyone registers. Uh, so, for example, the registration fee for our junior rugby league would be about $175. Yep. You use the $100 voucher, so now it costs you 75 bucks to play a full season of rugby league. Pretty good. Which includes your yeah. uniforms. Yep. You've got to buy your mouth guard and yep. boots, but, you know, so it's it's Pretty. very affordable. Pretty good deal. But when you've got a few kids and they play a few sports, it all does add up. But I think that uh, Football Australia has got a lot of work to do. I think so too. In that area mm. of uh, helping clubs and helping participation and making it more affordable. Yep. And the fact that we're in grave danger of missing out of the World Cup, we spoke about this before, there is going to be a very big hole in the budget should we not make the World Cup. And so that help at junior level may be sometime in the future. Sadly. Yeah. This one from Jace. He says, uh, evening, Chris, a weird sport it's about weird sports. A weird sport is the annual hot dog eating competition. Yeah. I used to love hot dogs as a, as a kid, but suddenly I had a few issues. Oh, that's not good. What happened? Do, do we, do we want to know? Oh, no, I just started getting a bit plump. Oh, okay. Podgy. Yeah. How many could you eat? Oh, I'd never eat more than a couple. No, so you wouldn't do well in the hot dog eating. Oh, shivers, no. 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 Is that sport? Oh. I don't know if it's sport, but it's interesting. It is entertaining. I wonder what the record is. I'll check it. Do you know what? Okay, best hot dog stand. Oh, we'll save this for another one. Yeah. This will get people going. Best hot dog stand at a sporting arena or anywhere that you've that you've uh, enjoyed. Mm. You know, my, as a kid, memories of? Yep. Going to Leichhardt Oval yep. on a chilly, cold Wednesday night. Mm. I'd go along and watch the Commonwealth Bank Cup. This was as a, a kid. Mm. And then I'd, with my dad, I'd probably watch the Amco Cup or the Tooth Cup or the National Panasonic Cup, whatever it was at Leichhardt. And there was a hot dog stand just outside that gate there behind the main stand. Yep. Oh, good. 
Now, Jerry Chestnut. To change the subject. Yeah, well, they were still in hot dogs. Sure. He found 76 Frankfurters, Frank, Frankfurters hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes last year. That was one better than what he did in 2020. 76 in 10 minutes. Oh, don't suppose he's got a weight of this bloke, how much he weighs the unit? I'll find out for you. You try and do that. So uh, a weird sport says Jace is the annual hot dog eating competition. I reckon uh, gorgeous George, Mark Turkey or Fooey Fooey Moy Moy uh, would have gone all right. Yeah, I wonder who would have won. Georgie, Rose, Turks or Fooey Fooey in the hot dog eating. I uh, I reckon Turks. <clears throat> he says here too, which ex-footballer you played with was good on the tooth? Uh, cheers, Jace, and good evening to you, Jace, as well. Um, good on the tooth. Oh, mate, oh, God, all the footy, the forwards love their food. And when we're over in Perth, we were told to, to try and really bulk up and throw. We were eating 4,000 calories a day, yeah, a ordered to yeah. by our trainer. Yep. Ordered to. So we would go, me and my mate, we would go and we'd eat a whole chook each, mm. whole bird. Mm. A day? Yeah. Every day. Not every day. Most days. And then quite a few eggs. Yeah. Hard boils. Yeah. You want to go for a bird war? I'm talking, that was not going to the nightclub. Yep, that, yep, that, that was that, going, that was, yep. should we go and get a bird? Uh, uh, yeah. It's a lot to um, eat. The old mate box, if, yep. you, if you're listening. Um, who else? I tell you one, and I didn't play with him, uh, but I worked with him um, very, very briefly and declaring my colours, Parramatta fan as a kid, oh. went to all... The grand finals, mm. including the last one in '86, did he play in that one? Stan Jurd, um, prop forward. You may not remember Stan no. Jurd. He was a, of a big frame, and I reckon he'd go all right, Jace, on the tooth. And I worked yeah briefly with him at Peter Wynn's score. So Stan Jurd was there for a while on the door as the bouncer. This is post playing, obviously. Um, so there you go. Now, uh, another text here to, uh, Bondi Jack. And I said, I would get to this really, I guess the inequality or inequity of the, the draw in the NRL, and this is nothing new. So, you know, it comes around most years when the draws are released and it, you know, the, the draw was out a long time ago and we probably had this discussion then, but the simple fact is this until the NRL reaches a point where it is a true home and away season. By that, I mean you play each other home and away once. Um, it will never be a level playing field. Now, the AFL is, is also not a level playing field because it does not, these days, have a true home and away season. I would love the competition to get back to the home and away season and then at the end of 24 rounds or whatever it might be, you can say, well, there you have it, folks. Every team has played each other twice, both home and away, and we have our ladder. As it stands, though, you play each other once, and then you play a handful of teams twice. So how can that be fair? Well, it can't. And how does that system come about? Well, it uh, comes about by where you finished on the previous pecking order from last year is basically how they do it, I believe. Um, trying to add or restore a little bit of balance to um, the season, to the fixture list. So those that finished in the bottom eight last year, you will find have generally got a softer draw yep. than those that finished in the top eight, in a nutshell, in its simplest form. I think I've 
hope to explain that for you. So teams like the Roosters, who were really valiant in uh, you know, in a, what was a an unbelievably difficult season for them last year in terms of injury, and there's no way in the world they can have that amount of problems again this year. Yeah. Um, but they have been drawn with a few powerhouses to play twice, as you would expect. I, you've got the draw for the Chooks because you are a Chooks fan, right? Yeah, I just did some quick research. So uh, they play at top eight sides 12 times throughout the season. However, uh, they play the Panthers, the Storm, Souths and the Eels all twice. Can't get harder than that. No, cannot get harder than that. So uh, they do have a nice run sort of after the third or fourth round of the season. But, yeah. Four teams wow. in the top four or five twice. So, you know, to be fair, we should probably try and pull out you know, the Panthers draw as well yep. and see who they play twice. But just mm. so who, again, who do the Chooks play twice? Penrith. Penrith. Storm. Bunnies. And, and Eels. Parramatta. Yep. 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 So there you go, Bondi Jack. Uh, when you say the top eight draw, my Chooks have been handed the toughest and most lopsided draw in NRL memory. Uh, disgusting, he says. It makes NRL look like a sham amateur Mickey Mouse code. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Regards, Bondi Jack. So there you are. Some other weird sports um, I had here too. Yes. Joey Chestnut, by the way, is 104 kilograms. Is that all? That's all. Yeah, I'll send you a picture of him. You can have a look in your own time. Yeah. Oh, you don't want me to do it now? Oh, you can look now if you want. It's not really good viewing for our listeners. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's not obese. No. 76 kilos. But that is holding his tummy. He looks pregnant. Yeah. That's after the 76. Potentially it could be. Does anyone have not have tomato sauce on a hot dog? See, these are questions. Yeah. These are good topics. I like tomato sauce. I also like barbecue sauce, but not on a hot dog. Oh, jeez. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad you clarified that. You don't have barbecue sauce on a hot dog. What about mustard on a hot dog? Has to be on there. I agree. Hot English. Hot English. Has to be. Great choice. Yep. Yep. And tomato sauce together. Has yeah. to be. That's your hot dog. Great combo. What about beetroot on a burger? Yes. Uh, I didn't like beetroot when I was younger, but now, yeah. Has to be. What about a gherkin on a burger? Oh, no, that's more for like McDonald's it. or mm. cheeseburgers. Oh, I won't throw it off. No, no, I'll eat it. Me too. But your typical, your plain, and this is what we call it, a plain burger, if mm. you go to a whatever you call it, we used to call it a milk bar in my day, you go to a, what do you call it these days? Uh, Fish and chippo? What yeah. do you call it? Yeah. It's not. It's no. Not. It's, What's it called? It's... Uh, they haven't got a name anymore. No, I don't think so. Where you get the, yeah. what used to be called the milk bar? Yeah, burger bar. I don't know. Okay, let's call it a burger bar. And you asked for a plain burger, a mm. plain Aussie burger, mm. right? A plain Aussie plain. burger, yep. plain. Yes. Has lettuce. Yep. Tomato. Yep. Onion. Yep. And beetroot as well as the meat. Yeah. That's it. Sounds good. No more. Sounds great. No less. That's great. a plain burger. Mm. So you got to have beetroot on your burger. Yep, I agree. My girlfriend likes putting beetroot in her sandwiches as well. That's no, yeah, don't know about that. Well, it won't travel. You can't put them into the kids' school lunches, no. which I have to make when I get home tonight. tonight. Yeah, oh. well, I do it when I get home, make them tonight, and then it's not a mad rush in the morning. It's, you're such a multitasker, Chris. I'm really impressed. Well, what about last night? I had three kids, yeah. and I had three different orders for their school lunch today. And you'll be able to watch the end of the curling as well, probably, while you're making the lunch. I will. Yep. I will. They did well, too. So my daughter, mm. and she's gone on a bit of a health freak thing over mm. the last few months, Jim mm. and you know what, going well, she wanted a salad. Mm. So I gave made her a tuna salad with a bit of an aioli sort of dressing sauce in a little container to put on it. Mm. The little fella just wanted a honey wrap. Yeah. That was easy. Yeah, that was much easier. And then the other bloke, he wanted, what do you want? Chicken, lettuce, and mayo. 
Had to be sliced chicken breast too. Fussy, fussy, fussy. Anyway, stick around. We better take a break. This is making me hungry. Back with more after the break. All righty, time now for the Rewind on Higher Ground, where we look back at some of the uh, big stories across the station from the day. We'll start with the Maori All-Stars coach, David Kidwell, who joined Joel and Fletch in breakfast this morning. Tia could be in for a good year because he's the Maori All-Stars coach. He's also an assistant coach at Parramatta, who, Brian, I think... I think the market is way out of whack. The Parramatta Eels. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. Anyway, just as we go to David, I'll tell you why. Every single team in the comp have an excuse of the major contenders not to win it. Parramatta, no it is prime time opportunity. It is a window waiting to go through. David Kibble, who's all part of that, and he's on the line. G'day, Kitty. Morning, Joel. Good morning, Fletch. How you going, boss? Going good, Kitty. How are you, mate? I'm very well. Joel, I like your optimistic, mate. Yeah, I like your optimism there with the Parramatta Eels. So, um, I think we are in for a big year, to be honest with you, mate. The boys are training well. Um, obviously, with the heat and the COVID getting over that. So, um, we're looking good. You went very, very close uh, last year, of course. So close to Penrith. They're the ultimate champions. We are going to talk about the Maori team in a minute. But I, I do think that Parramatta, uh, they have basically got it all there for them in front of them. So do you feel like, David Kibble, in your time at Parramatta, you're as well-placed as you've ever been? Yeah, look, last year was obviously, you know, the, the competition moving up to Queensland. Um, you know, we were in, in, a, in a bubble with five other teams and we sort of had a had a bit of a slump patch there. But once we once we got it together, um, you know, we went into, into that uh, semi-final, obviously, you know, uh, being Newcastle before that we beat the Storm and we, it just clicked um, and then obviously that cracker game against uh, Penrith in the semi-final you know so um, I think the boys come back uh, hungrier um, they know what works works for our team so um, you know the boys are training well Kitty just before we move on to the, the All-Stars game what about Reid Marnie how's he come back with his, with his shoulder yeah mate he's um, into full contact now so um, as you know, with the physios, they like to put in cold raw, mate. And I'm always getting them out there going, come on, mate, when's he going to get into contact, you know? So, but he's in, he's in full training. He's come back well. Uh, the shoulders, um, you know, mended well. He's done everything right. So, um, hey, yeah, we're looking for a big year from Reed, that's for sure. Now, Kitty, this All-Stars, the teams came out yesterday. And, I mean, you have a look at, at both teams. These are some superstars in this team. Did you, are you happy with, with your squad? Like, do you get to... To choose them, or is there a selection panel? How does that all work? Yeah, mate. Um, you know, we have a selection process, um, and then we put them into the NRL, and then they um, liaison with the clubs, and then they come back, and, and the clubs obviously say if, if they're available or not. Um, and then we sort of shuffle around um, people who aren't in, and, and then get people that are um, sort of giving them an opportunity, you know. So, you know, we've got some young guys here on the bench and Tisi Rapati and, and Tukapai from the Roosters. Um, Jaden Nakarima is going to be a good redemption story for him. You know, all the reports down there from the storm. You know, um, um, I got his brother Cody to give him the good news and, you know, they haven't played um, together since the Bronco days, so I think in the, in the 20s. So it's um good, good little story there and, um, so look, really looking forward to that. One play, one play you don't have to worry about, Kibble, as I turn my microphone on, is uh, James Fisher-Harris. And he won the Preston Campbell medal last time in the All-Stars match. Uh, tell us about 
him. And there's just something about this bloke who just screams of being a leader. Yeah, he actually reminds me of um, another another leader and legend I've played with. It's Ruben Wiki. You know, he, he leads by his actions wow. and and words words that he um, does say. Everyone listens. You know, so um, you know, obviously last year he took his game to a new level and winning the comp with Penrith. And uh, when I spoke to James, he was as excited as as any to to play this game and represent his heritage. So um, you know, he's he's the um, form. Last year, I thought, you know, he took his game to a new level and obviously, like I said, he won the comp. So, uh, really looking forward to getting in the camp and, and sitting down with James. Chatting to David Kidwell, the coach of the Maori side for the All-Stars. We'll be covering that, by the way, here at SEN on Saturday, February 12. Um, now, Kibble, uh, when it comes to the preparation of, of such a game, and you are involved as an assistant coach at Parramatta, You've got these players for a limited amount of time. So how do you go about preparing such a game plan? Yeah, it's, um, it's difficult because you, you really only get, you know, two training sessions really to, to implement your game plan. But um, I've sort of said in weeks like this, I try not to make it like a um, like the NRL week, you know, um, because they have plenty of time. They've got pre-season and, and obviously the long season. So... We try and make it um, an environment where they're nice and comfortable, nice and relaxed. Um, give them a simple framework and, and let them shine and use their skills around it. So, um, and just make sure everyone's on the same page, which they are, um, and bring out their skills. You know, so um, it's pretty simple for me. Um, nice, easy framework where they can express themselves um, and use their skills and, and why they're in the NRL. Kitty, what about the because uh, there's a few different versions of the Harker. Mm. How do you uh, decide on which one to use? Because I've seen the All Blacks do a variety of different ones, and I've seen the New the New Zealand Rugby League do. How do you decide? Is is it you, you throw it to the to the team, mm. or is it up to you? Yeah, so uh, we sit down with our cultural advisor, um, Order Kitty, back in 2019. I think they and I said, you know, we needed to have. Uh, an all-star tucker uh, that represents uh, the players, you know, in the NRL, um, their iwi, which is their tribes and their people from New Zealand. Um, and then we come up with, um, you know, a version of what we feel that, that is right. Um, each year we're trying to add uh, a different um, um, spin on it, if you, if you like to call it, where um, we just add more and more to the haka. Um, if, if you notice when you know, when we get into a group and we sort of break out, um, you know the players that they're calling out their iwis and what they represent and where they're from, and then and then the other boys come behind them, like um, yet yeah, we're all from around that region and those iwis in that tribe. Um, so that's just a little insight there. Mm. The um, it was close. It's next Saturday. You can't believe that rugby league is back on in readiness now. Just as you got this team together, based on performances last year, and then you've got this group come together, David Kibwell. Who are the players do you think have been training the house down? Brian and I like to have a segment called Training the House Down, who have just gone above and beyond, and they have set very, very well for twenty twenty two. Who's caught your attention so far? Um, you know, obviously talking to Stacey Jones. Um, I think Chanel Tavita Harris and Cody Nicarim were in for a big year. So mm-hmm. I mean that's obviously a good you know, a good sign for for the Warriors. Um and then you got, you know, James Fisher Harris, 
Um, I talked to Kevy about TC Rabati, so he's um, you know keen and uh, strapping young lad. Um, and then you also got you know the the redemption short in Jaden Nikarimas. You know he's been you know out of the NRL I think for six years. You know he comes back fresh legs. Um, who knows? And Kitty, what about yourself, mate? Did you get away with the family in the off season? Um, yeah, it's it's funny you say that, mate, because um, you know we are, our mutual friend, uh, the Beach Man. You know um, we were meant to go down there to Bluey's Beach, but um, you know obviously you know the COVID restrictions and everything like that um, sort of put things out of whack. So no, it was just me and my wife, family around the Coogee, mate. So uh, yes, Coogee um, Big Gun. time around here. You got the Big Gun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, back here, mate. Well, good memories, mate. Good oh, memories. Good memories. <laughs> ah, there we go. Hey, um, hey. But, yeah, we just stayed around there, mate. Well, David, Kib, well, we wish you all the best. And it is a, a very meaningful game uh, next Saturday night in the All-Stars. You'll be coaching the team, which is quite the honour for the Maori All-Stars. Congratulations on that appointment. All the best for Parramatta in 2022, Kitty, and we'll chat to you throughout the year. Awesome, boys. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, nice to hear from uh, David Kidwell there. A uh, good fella all round he is. So it's only, what now, 10 days out from the All-Stars uh, match. Can't wait to see uh, footy uh, back for the new year. Welcome back to the Rewind on Higher Ground. And this morning, Matt White caught up with Simon O'Donnell to get his take on the Justin Langer coaching situation. Interested in the thoughts of this man, Simon O'Donnell is on the line. Do you think this is a mess and a very bad look for Cricket Australia, mate? Good morning. Good, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good. Trying to wrap my head around this one because it changes every minute. Yeah, the last 48 hours has been really interesting. It, it, it's sort of gone from a you know, Justin Langer walking off in a half to more detail gradually reaching the surface. And then uh, that's, that's really put a, a different spin on things from, I, I think, everyone's perspective, Justin Langer's perspective, um, Nick Hockley and the the um, um, uh, the head of um, um, I've forgotten his name just for the moment. Yeah, hi, Ben uh, Oliver, the high performance. Yeah, yeah, high performance manager Ben Oliver, uh, and then the board itself. So it's it sort of they've now all been dragged into the mire, and I'm, I'm not sure where the where the decent conclusion for either of the three parties is. Yeah, and this is the part that I'm trying to work out, mate, because we were on here yesterday when the Cricket Australia statement came out and utterly rejected that the me- the meeting was heated at times and also utterly rejected that there was a discussion around reapplying for his job. But that was leaked and backed by a source. Now, there's only really... There's three people in the meeting but two sides, Cricket Australia's side and Justin Langer's side. So the information has come out somehow, which means that somebody is not being completely truthful. Now, normally when I see that happening in, in sport, I see two trains going head-to-head on the same line and it turns into mm. a wreck. So I don't, know, I don't know what happens to solve that situation in between now and Friday. Have you got any thoughts? Is there any sort of compromise that they could I try and reach? No, I solution. I, I don't think Justin Langer will have his job on Friday. That's what I think the solution is. Now, I think Justin could... If everything we believe has happened has happened, uh, I think Justin has pushed very hard for a 
significant term, if not the same term as he previously had, which was his four years. Uh, now, the circumstances leading into his reappointment, I don't think he was ever a chance, whether we won the World Cup and 2020 World Cup and the Ashes, I, I don't think he was ever a chance of getting a full term again. With the kerfuffle that happened with the you know, semi-pyre revolt, etc., and the discussions that went by, and, and apparently just and, and changed his ways, and, and success followed. So it, it would be unrealistic, I think, for Justin to believe he was going to get four years. Uh, till you know, a year and a half, he, he's got to... That would be fair and reasonable, and an equitable position for all parties. I don't see how they can come to that now. I think it's... He yeah, either gets yeah, his and, full and I term... Think it, it, which is not going to happen. Which is not going to happen. So... <laughs> because... The, the predicament that then puts the board in the high-performance manager and Nick Hockley... Now, I'm not, I'm not saying they've done the right thing, but I, I, I think... They've painted themselves and Justin has painted them into a corner. So um, there's only one person that's going to come out here and smelling of manure as, as best they can paint it. And unfortunately, that's the Australian coach. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think that, the, and I said this yesterday, I don't think he was going to get his job back by the end of the week. And that, um, I think, was pretty much rubber stamped in a sense yesterday when Cricket Australia put out quite an extraordinary statement that would have even lit the fuse even more and the best case scenario for JL is to get a two-year extension at a team that clearly does not publicly back him can I ask you when you were playing Bobby Simpson of course was the coach and he rolled a lot of players up the wrong way but did you ever feel the need that you had to publicly come out and support your coach it's it's a very different scenario these days so yeah and, and no, no, we didn't. But everyone was learning in those days. I, I think Alan Borders put it on the record that, you know, if he had his time again, he wouldn't have handed over the power he did to the, the coach of the day. But I, I think everyone can be partially excused back then because we're all learning. You know, it was like the, the pandemic. We learn, we learn as we go. We were learning what a, what a coach's role was within a, and the international cricket team. So um, you know, it's probably hard to, to judge on those days. And there's a the couple of things that have stood out, Matt, to me here. Now, I don't think Justin's read the room right. And I think he, he's a wonderful person, a fantastic player, you know, great coach. I would hate to see him leave the game shrouded in controversy. I just don't want that to happen. He, he's done too much for the game but he you know he's probably in a way using that as he's as, as a bit of a bargaining chip as well so um i i think it it's really imperative that when people go into negotiations or they're trying to read the tea leaves that are going to be there in six months time you need experienced cricket people to be the ones reading the tea leaves now you know for the high-performance manager, Nick Hockley, if it is the case that they believe that in this scenario, 
Justin Langer may have to reapply for his job. Well, that, that's the most ludicrous thing in sport I, I've ever heard. And I, I know cricket coaching is different to, to you know, rugby league and Aussie rules and soccer. It, 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 it's a, a very different environment, very different culture, the, the period of time you stay together, all these things. But to think that those people are literally saying, we don't know you after the period of time you've been coach of Australia and you were, you were appointed four years ago, or three and a half years ago, that, that, that is ludicrous to me. That, that is, that's bureaucracy gone mad. And I, I think that is a, a real cross against the two people that initiated that, if that is what was said. That's childish playground stuff. This, is, this situation requires grown people having a grown-up conversation that should have been had, should have been had, when all the... Con- when the part player revolt was yeah. on, yeah, hundred percent. That so, they, these conversations should have should have been had much earlier, and the yeah the situation shouldn't have got to the position that it's in. Um, Simon, really appreciate your time this morning. Let's see where this one goes. Have yourself a good day, mate. Interesting stuff there from Simon O'Donnell. It'll be an intriguing few days, won't it, to see where all this uh, ends up. Welcome back to the Rewind on Higher Ground. And to finish the night off, Mark Bosnich had a few things to say on the back of the Socceroos' two-all draw with Oman overnight on drive this afternoon. The thing about Australian football, uh, it needs a complete reboot. Now, I'm going to try to keep this as short as possible um, because I could just go on and on and on. No, uh, we've got three hours, we quali- mate. Come on. Fill it I up. know, but it doesn't matter. We could keep coming back to it. Whether we qualify or not, the whole thing needs a complete reboot from top to bottom. All right. The leagues, and when I say the leagues, the A-League and the MPLs, they need to align. The grassroots is all over the place and has been for quite some time. The fees are completely out of control. And we are producing robotic players, completely robotic players. And you've seen as well, um, you know, with the Matildas, uh, especially when they when they went one goal down, uh, with the exception, you have to say, of Sam Kerr, it's pretty similar. And apparently it's pretty similar what's going through. Now, on the Socceroos last night, um, regardless of robotic players or not, and regardless of anything else, you should not be drawing with Oman in an important World Cup qualifier. You should not be drawing with China in an important World Cup qualifier. You take those two uh, wins out of those games, gives you four points. You're on top of the table. Right now, we're in big trouble in terms of, if we come third, if we come third, my belief, and I've said this before, is that we will not qualify because first and foremost, we've got to beat the third place team in the other Asian group. As for the moment, it looks like United Arab Emirates who are coached by the ex soccer coach, Bert Van Marwick. And then whoever wins that game will play a one-off game against the fifth place South American qualifier. Now let's get to the game. Let's talk first and fo- foremost about the actual game. Once again, a really, a, a decent first half, you have to say, but second half, as, uh, as soon as um, uh, the Croatian coach for uh, Oman, whose name escapes me right now, changed it around a bit, we had no comeback whatsoever, okay? And this comes down to the manager. And I've told him this before. And I've known Graham Arnold since I've been 14 years of age, yeah? And we've had good moments and bad moments in terms of friends. Um, but as I said to him when he got the job, look, you don't expect me just because I'm your friend just to sort of say, say it, you know, just to sort of, you know, give it a boys club one, basically. 
And, and he knows that. And I had a crack at him after I heard him come out and say after they got one, uh, one point out of six uh, against Saudi Arabia and Japan, uh, oh, everything's going fine. No, it's not, Graham. All right. And you always told me that you had plan B, plan C, plan D. That is quite apparent that you don't. Okay. And the other thing as well, you know, and this is coming down to a technical point of view. You've got a boy in friend, uh, friends, Karacic, who's on the right back. Okay. Who's played, I think somebody put up today, 135 minutes of football. And he only played last Thursday against Vietnam. And you've got Ryan Grant on the bench. So don't you think when they stopped the supply going down that side in the first half, which Boyle was doing really, really well, that you would have made a change and actually brought Ryan Grant on for him. And also, like I said, when they do make changes and they bottle up the likes of our individual players like Matthew Leckie, like Tommy Rogic, like Boyle, which they did do for the second half, you've got to have a plan B and a plan C to go to. And it's quite apparent that you haven't. Have, now the players have, um, have got to take the go on. The have, players have, have got to take. Yeah. The, pl- the players have got to take their share of responsibility as well, because, like I said before, you can say what you want about the playing group, but and this is no disrespect to China and Oman, you should not be drawing with those two teams. In the end, that will cost us. Now they keep saying it's still in our hands. Well, okay, if you beat Japan and you beat Saudi Arabia, it's still going to depend on how much J- Japan will beat Vietnam in that last game, but. I really do think that Football Australia have to have a serious think that if we go into the playoff, is Graham Arnold the right man to lead us into those playoff games? And after what I've seen during this World Cup qualifiers, as well as the Asian Championship, the answer to that question right now, in my opinion, is no. Um, Do the players, uh, you say you need to have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. You've got to have the players to be able to do that. You've got to have a different type of player. If you want to have a different plan, is uh, is there a case to say, actually, just there aren't that, enough decent Australian footballers at the moment. Well, that, there is a case to say that. There's no doubt about that. But I still think that's an easy way out. You know, just, just like when we heard the other day from Daniel Georgeski talking about oh, we've got small problems, you know, COVID and this, that. People say COVID's all over the world. You mm-hmm. know, every team has got those problems, okay, in terms of COVID. Every sporting code, every person. I've had, a, you know, a, a small minor issue today to what some people have had, and we'll talk about that later to the doctor and some of the things that he's seen in emergency and so forth, Right. We have got the players that we've got, simple as that. Now, they may not be as good as uh, generations before, or that, that's down to opinion and how they're going to do. At the moment, it's, it's leaning that way. But this has been coming for some time, and, and that's where you, you could say, Maxi, yeah, you do have a point. So even last time, under Ange Postacoglu, um, you know, it, you know it, 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 we had to go through the playoff route. So it, it was difficult, Okay. And he had to try to change things around. He came under a lot of criticism, but he got us there. Now, the bottom line is this. It's easy, as I said to you before, Maxi, in football to change one person is to change 23 players. And you're accountable as the manager to your team's performance. As simple as that. That's the way it always has been and the way that it always will be. And especially with national teams, because you're limited about the amount of players that you need to pick. Okay, so stop with this sugarcoating everything. You know, and we've heard it before. You know, and then, you know, I was watching the replay today and, and Luke Wilshere, who, I, who I, I love Luke Wilshere, okay? He's on their TV with, with Mark Milligan, who I love as well. But maybe that's a good reason why they, they say to try to keep players, you know, off TV for, for a certain amount of years before they can comment on it because they don't want to say anything. But when I heard Luke Wilshere say, we've got to look at the positives, I nearly, like, you know, I nearly chuck something at the TV. That was the time to pick the performance apart, okay? Well, for me, the time was a little bit earlier, but for them... That was the time to pick it apart. And once again, it wasn't. Okay. And you got people screaming on social media, people screaming down the phone to me as well, saying, what is going on? It is your job 
as a commentator, and I've done it for 12 years, to pick apart for the public exactly what's going on. No problem to, to turn around and to criticize somebody in a constructive way and to say, right, where do we go from now? And this is exactly, exactly what we're going to do right here, right now. Where do we go from here? I would turn around to Graham and say, listen, you've got these two games. If you don't qualify automatically, I'm sorry, but we're going to go a different way. Graham needs to say to the players, listen, we're going to have the employer style, right, that basically is going to do the best against first and foremost Japan and then for Saudi Arabia. Barring injuries, this is exactly how it's going to go. So just prepare yourself for these games. Because I'm not with, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it might be the best thing that we don't qualify for the World Cup. I'm not in that crowd. I think it's a disaster if you don't qualify for the World Cup, and especially at this moment in time, because I think, number one, you need the kudos. Number two, the money is very important for the Federation, for the whole game, okay? But long-term, and I don't like using the word long-term, because I actually think that we need near-term, 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 coming back to Gibbo's original question, yeah? We've got to have, whether we qualify or not, a complete look at everything in the game and stop, and I'm saying to you, stop, putting away or shunning away good people in the game. There are so many good people, so many good people that even foreigners that have come over here that basically, I'll tell you what happens a lot. They bring them in, they get all their ideas and they think they can do it themselves. It doesn't work like that. Stop doing that. Start working for the game instead of just working in it. Yeah, some interesting things that uh, Bozza had to say there. All right, well, that just about does it for me. I hope you've enjoyed the last uh, few hours. I've uh, certainly enjoyed my time in here. Thank you again to uh, to you, Cowboy Dan, for all of your help. Uh, to our guests this evening, too, Jaleesa Apps from Channel 10, uh, Alex Brosk, host, of course, of The Global Game, as well as being a former Socceroo, and to Lockie McCurdy, too, from Code Sports. Uh, to all three of you, thanks for being part of the show. And thank you for you at home as well, joining uh, our show via the text line. Until we meet again then, that's all for me from now. Uh, Keep smiling. Bye-bye.